Hello, everyone. This is Alex Schiffer of the Kansas City Star. I'm joined alongside my colleague, Blair Kirkhoff. Uh, quiet week on the front for Missouri, but plenty to recap as Barry Odom has a contract extension. A few more recruiting pieces appear to be in the mix for football next year. Uh, bowl practice underway and basketball goes 3-0. and Blair, how you doing? Good, good, Alex. And, and um, I don't think we've talked since, uh, since Missouri landed at the quarterback of the future as well. Yes, I, I, think, believe... it, I think that happened that it happened the day we were talking, I think, uh, that night. Yes, I was staring at my computer aimlessly for about half an hour until, uh, until he announced. So, yeah, big news, Missouri lands, uh, Clemson's quarterback, Kelly Bryan, he's eligible immediately. Huge, huge get for Barry Odom. And uh, also now, you know, shortly after Jonathan Nance, who was Arkansas's leading receiver last year, another graduate transfer high school teammate of Rashad Floyd, is uh, he commits to Missouri. And now there's talk that Jeff Thomas and Marcus Washington, a pair of wideouts in the St. Louis area, Thomas recently getting uh, recently leaving Miami are also now in the mix. So uh, a lot to digest. My, my takeaway is that Missouri is all in on next season with the guys they're still trying to get. They, they lose Drew Locke, they lose Emmanuel Hall, but they, they're, if, if this all shakes out, they're going to be very, very deep at every offensive position, essentially. And they, they really appear to be pushing all their chips to the center of the table and and I'm not great with blackjack, but is it a 15 or a 16 you hit on with a face card? Anyway, they're doing that. They're doing that. You know, um, so when we were talking about uh, about Kelly Bryant last week, and and I, my guess at the time was going to be Auburn, and even you know the, the, the Auburn had you know changed out its offensive coordinator. Uh, they had it's just Auburn, a little bit higher profile program. I just thought. The, the the tea leaves were reading Auburn to me, and he makes a decision that night, and I kind of gasped when I saw the the Twitter announcement that he made, um, and it it just changed my my sense about Barry Odom and uh, and and this program and the direction that it's going, and I, I was kind of you know after you know this regular just right at at the end of the regular season, I was a little concerned about what Missouri might look like for for 2019 and let's suffice to say I'm less concerned about what it might look like next season. It's quite a get. Now let's, let's not pretend that, you know, we're not talking about an all America quarterback coming in here, just a, you know, a solid, solid replacement who is going to get to work with, you know, with Derek Dooley and with the, you know, with, with, you know, you play in the SEC, have, you know, play with talented, people around him it's you know he's going to Missouri's going to help him as much as he's going to help Missouri but I just think that the, the statement that it made that he that he picked Missouri over the the list of finalists was uh you know very positive for the Tigers and as you said right afterwards with uh with Jonathan Johnson making his announcement and and later on even more um you know good news on the on the recruiting front for the Tigers just nothing but positive vibes since the last time we talked, and uh, and it, again, it, it changes it changes the way I look at Missouri for next year. My my expectations are going to be similarly as as high as they were this year, which was I had them at nine and three, and and uh, 
who knows? I mean, we'll have to, without studying the rest of the SEC, uh, but, but, you know, there's, to me, I see, you know, no slippage for the Tigers next year. No excuse to take a step back. Keep going forward and, uh, and keep pushing and, and try to, you know, make noise in the division. I agree. I, I haven't looked at the SEC. It's too early to look at the SEC next year anyway, given there's still NFL announcements to happen, still National Signing Day, both of them, the early and, and the traditional one. You know, a quick look at their schedule, though. I mean, they trade out Alabama as their SEC West opponent for Ole Miss at home. And in the non-conference, I mean, they have SEMO, they have West Virginia, who is a tough team, but will be going through a quarterback change, much like Missouri. And in the East, they are at Georgia, which is the only game I look at today. That will be a very difficult one for them to win. I mean, Stanford Stadium is just traditionally a very tough place to win. So I, I think, as you said, that the expectation for next year is to flirt with double digits. And the guy that I think really gets under the microscope now is Derek Dooley. I mean, we knew that he was kind of – he called it the Wikipedia offense where they were going to do a little bit of everything. And this past season, with all the starters he inherited – but Missouri's going to return the top four tailbacks, tailbacks as of right now in Crockett, Roundtree, Cindy Bacare, and Tyler Beatty, an all-SEC selection. And they had a dual-threat quarterback in Kelly Bryant. To, to me, and again, if, the, if they do get Jeff Thomas, I'm told Missouri will likely get him um, and to join a loaded receiving core. To me, if, if you're Derek Dooley, you make this a much more uh, – you make this an offense that I don't, I don't want to say it's it's like the wishbone and they're and they're running a lot, but they, it definitely puts a lot more emphasis and creativity in the run than they have been in recent pet years. Yeah, it does. It, it um, you know it'll be different than, than what we've seen this year, um, but but at least you'll you'll know that you're operating with you know, an experienced veteran guy back there, not, not a freshman who, you know, you've got to grow the offense with in, in a situation, you know, in a transitional, it's basically next year's a transitional quarterback year. Right. And, and, uh, and, and Missouri did about as well as a program can do uh, with a, with a bridge to the next generation of quarterbacks with Kelly Bryant. So um, I, 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 I'm really looking forward to seeing what, uh, how it shakes out with the Tigers and, um, and and uh, uh, and but there's a little bit of work to do here left this season, right? With Drew Locke and and uh, and what they've got going with uh, with the bowl game. I uh, we we did have the bowl game identified by the last time we talked. I think I, I, I uh, mentioned then that I, uh, I I wasn't thrilled with the matchup. I was hoping for something, you know, maybe in the Big Ten or just a little bit more higher higher profile. But I do like the um, I do like that it's it's a drivable. Uh, location for Missouri fans playing Oklahoma State in the Liberty Bowl, and uh, uh, I would I would really love to see the you know the Kansas City kid go out with a victory and nine wins and and hand off a um, you know a, a team to his successor that that um, you know that, that, that where the bar is set that high and and I think that uh, you know it would be an upset if it wasn't uh, you know if Missouri didn't come out of this bowl game with a win. Yeah, you know, it's Drew Locke's legacy, obviously, it, it, it's still kind of being defined as he's yet to play his final game for the Tigers. But I think, and this has been the chat among the beat writers that I, I think really works, is that 
if Missouri goes and wins 10 games next year, Drew Locke's legacy will get better with age as kind of Brad Smith did. You know, he was kind of the guy that got them out of the cellar and got them out of this rut and really got Gary Pinkle's tenure going at Missouri. And I think that Drew Locke can write a similar script, especially if he has a lot of NFL success too, and he's a guy Missouri's pointing to routinely when they have recruits coming in as look at what came through here. And I think that given what Missouri has set up for next season, if they can flirt with 10 wins, a New Year's Six Bowl, a SEC East title, I think those are all going to be in the picture. I'm not saying they all happen, but I think that that's what the expectations will be, depending upon how the roster shakes out in the rest of the conference. And I think that that's what Drew Locke's legacy could be with Missouri and Barry Oda's program, is that he came in under Gary Pinkle. His freshman year went rough both on and off the field between the protests and obviously he wasn't a central figure in that but just the team in general and then Pinkle leaving they didn't make a full game he struggled mightily and then he kind of got his act together as a career went on and and really kind of flourished and, and laid the foundation for what Barry Odom would do after he left so uh, that's kind of how I think that Kelly Bryan also can help the you know affects the current team uh before we switch over to some basketball talk. You know, this all kind of is relative to Barry Odom's contract extension, which was announced the day after Kelly Bryan. He he doesn't need the money, Blair, but he really should have bought a lottery ticket last week. I think that was happening to him. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good week. He, uh, he went from 14th to 11th among the SEC's highest-paid coaches, is now making a, a little over $3 million, 3.05 uh, contract runs till the end of 2024 now, a couple years tacked on the last year's deal. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say this is what we were expecting, you know, I, right? I mean, a couple years tacked on. His incentives are a little more now, especially if he uh, gets Missouri regularly ranked in the AP poll, coaches, college football playoff, that's an extra five grand. And his incentive pool is, and his assistant coach pool both, uh, both go up. I, I kind of thought this was par for the course. You know, I, I didn't expect him to get Nick Saban money. No one did. That wouldn't be justified. But I expected him around that three, three and a half million range. It's a it's a good number for the head football coach at Missouri who has the type of experience that Barry Odom has, and which is to say, you know, not none in the head coaching world until you know until he got to Mizzou. Um, you know, it's just it's 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 funny to me that just. Uh, at midseason or whenever the you know the South Carolina and the Kentucky games fell after you know after they got through those we were wondering if he was going to even be back next season the way the, the way things felt um, especially after the the Kentucky loss at home and I think it was a fair question even though it looked like the you know the schedule was going to get easier over the final month of the season. They had lost their, you know, their, uh, you know, one of their preseason goals, which was to, um, you know, to have a double-digit victory season and and uh, make a, you know, a really attractive bowl game, and uh, I think the fan base was kind of down on Barry, and it was it was uh, okay and fair to ask if he was the guy. Uh, this is, you know, did he 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 wasn't you know in in his short time at Missouri he wasn't winning close games and uh had had losses that were inexplicable and you know and, and Drew Locke wasn't performing well against uh, the better defenses that he was facing and he just wondered if, if Barry Odom was the right guy but 
not just not just the you know the wins in the last month of the season, but the way he won and going to Florida and dominating, you know, a Florida team that um, you know that's going to a nice bowl game and and just um, you know just embarrassing a couple other opponents gave you know gave Missouri fans a good feeling about the way the season ended, gave them a good feeling about Barry Odom and. You know, he still has to live up to it, though. And, and every year, it's the SEC. There's no, you know, there there is no conference where the pressure is greater than the SEC. And even with a contract extension in his back pocket, that doesn't mean he can go out and and go five and seven next year and expect to, you know, ex- expect to be the coach the following season. That's just not how it goes in, in this conference. So um, uh, he he deserved he deserved what he got. I'm happy for him. Um, I do think he's the right guy for Missouri right now, but it is a um, it, it is a tough, tough conference, and uh, and and, and uh, you just uh, you just don't know what it's you know what, what the future is going to bring. I have every confidence though that he's you know with the you know with the new acquisitions here in the last uh, few a week or so, couple weeks, the the arrow is pointing up at Missouri, and and that, until that happened, I. I didn't know where, which way the arrow was pointing, if it was pointing sideways or even down a little bit. But, uh, but it seems to be pointing up right now for the Tigers. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff. And if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass. I agree. Before we get out of here, it's a shorter edition this week. We both have, I just got pinged by the ball, so I was about to go stake out a courthouse. Over the Trey Williams stuff, and now, uh, and now we can maybe touch on that after this. But uh, I, uh, I'm getting thing back to my headquarters, aka my apartment. I expect to be able to write soon. Um, basketball goes three and zero last week. You know, we talked after the UCF win, and, and we didn't expect much trouble from Missouri against Oral Roberts or Texas Arlington. That appeared to be the case. You know, you you're better with this stuff than me, but a, a couple things. Um, you know, Missouri is now in a position, if you ask me, where they can run the table the rest of the non-conference schedule. And I personally think that the NIT could be back in the picture for them. You know, I was watching uh, Seton Hall on Saturday. Uh, I have the best interest in I've given you a few licks in my past. I don't know if you know, Kevin Willard, the Seton Hall coach, was lived a couple houses up from me uh, back in the town of Westfield, New Jersey. So... I've known Kevin a long time, and uh, unbelievable game if you didn't see it. Seton Hall won in overtime. Two one last five seconds were ridiculous. But the the bigger picture coming out of that, people are wondering why we're still talking about me. But the SEC has been very underwhelming in the big picture of non-conference play. Florida was looked at as a pretty good team. They've had a lot of losses, as has Kentucky, which did not look like a top ten team. And and we can go – Vanderbilt lost Darius Garland. And, you know, I, I've done a look, a look on Xavier, even though they don't play for another week. Um, the Big East is another conference that's just wide open right now 
with the way Villanova's losing, they lost a pen last night at the Palestra. And the, the one stat that, that kind of caught my eye a bit with Xavier was that they are the worst three-point defense in the Big East. Teams are shooting nearly 38% on them. And Missouri's obviously the highest three-point shooting team in the SEC right now. So I, I think it's a game that Missouri can get. You know, I've been actively recruiting for you to join me at Bragging Rights. Uh, on the 22nd, you know, that Illinois style of play is very Turner heavy when it comes to uh, how they set their defense and their presses. That kind of scares me a bit from Missouri, but I, I just think that game is going to be unbelievable. Missouri's going to start three former Illinois signees slash players in ticket, Mark Smith and Jeremiah Tillman. And I, I just think that the atmosphere in that building is going to be through the roof. And, and the water is crappy as usual. But I uh, – I, I think that Missouri's in a position here where if they run the table, the rest of the state and the way the SEC is, if they can go 7-11 and 11 or, or flirt with 500 in SEC play and, and win the games they should, pick off a few on the road against teams like Georgia that are struggling and are expected to have a down year, I don't see how they, you know, I think they can finish 17-13 and 13 or in that range to maybe sneak in the NIT. And, and if you're Conzo Martin, given the way you thought you were going to have the season with Jonte Porter, I'd take that. Yeah, I look, first things first, right? Xavier's uh, is the next game. And I, I found myself watching – they were on the other night against Cincinnati, so I found myself watching a few uh, segments of, of that game, and they looked terrible. I mean, in, in a big – Big rivalry game that that is. Um, uh, I, I just and it was at it was at Cincinnati, so uh, uh, so the Bearcats had that advantage. But Xavier just didn't look like they belonged on the floor with uh, with with UC, and I think Cincinnati ended up winning by 15. But it um, it would never really seem that close. So that's a game when I looked at it in the preseason, thought um, you know one of the more attractive non-conference opponents for the Tigers. But that that looks more winnable now to me than it did before. I, I like where Missouri's head is. Um, they they should be good confidence wise. They, you know, the the, the maybe the two the two worst or, or two of the three worst non conference opponents they they blew out or two of the worst four they they did what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, against uh, uh, UTA and and, uh, and Oral Roberts and, and, and beat them pretty handily. Xavier's coming up. You mentioned Xavier in Illinois, and, and then Moorhead State's the last one that they they play before getting into conference play. Um, I I like how this I, I I like what I'm seeing from the Tigers. I like how they they you know they're I was worried about the perimeter shooting going into the year. Um, I'm less worried about that now. Uh, the way that they've performed, that uh, Jordan Geist was a guy who I, I you know I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in entering the year, and I, I feel better about him right now and. You know, it's the quality of of, of, of the level of competitions allowed uh, Tillman to play better and in and, and, and less foul trouble. So, you know, the, the next two opponents are real opponents, Xavier and Illinois. Um, whether they're, you know, neither one is an NCAA tournament team this year, and I don't think Missouri is, at least at this point right now. So, um, you know, one's at home and, and one's at the, you know, neutral side in St. Louis. If Missouri can get these two and then – handle Moorhead State and go into SEC play with just the would it be three non-conference losses you're right I mean this is a team that you can think about for for postseason play um the SEC's not having not having a great start uh, outside of Tennessee and, and Auburn I guess and 
Um, and, and maybe maybe this is a year where the you know the better coaching prevails, um, and not uh, you know not the talent level. And and, and I'm, I'm behind Conzo Martin as a coach. So um, uh, look, you, you never know what what can shake out in conference play. You go you go ten and eight or eleven and seven, and uh, and, and who knows what can what can happen. Um, uh, I did watch the end of that Seton Hall Kentucky game. That was, that was an amazing finish by the way. And a game that Kentucky had more talent on the floor, but found a way to lose it at the end. And, um, and it's just another, it seems like just another young Kentucky team that's got to have to learn how to win if it's going to, um, you know, compete for the national championship. I agree. Uh, you know, I thought of your Twitter picture, with uh, you standing in shock at the Buddy Heald shot, uh, I thought that was very applicable <laughs> to that ending. Um, and last thing I was going to touch on, you know, Trey Williams, uh, Missouri defensive end, arrested uh, for suspicion of domestic assault. We'll, we'll have more details on that probably coming soon. You know, it's, it's obviously been a very big topic in the football community, especially with our paper between now this and and – Kareem Hunt, I, I think it's a little bit of an interesting situation because, you know, Barry Odom came out with a very uh, big stance early on as head coach when Keon DeLosa, he kicked him off the team the day after DeLosa was arrested for punching a woman in the face outside a bar. And uh, and obviously, you know, details will kind of come with this in time. I, I think it's just an interesting situation because, you know, if Barry Odom were to kick off Williams, depending upon what comes out, I think he'd be a coach that is is currently putting a pretty hard stance on domestic violence issues when around the football world you're not seeing that as much. You know, Vahe's column, I thought, spoke a lot to that, and, and there's been some other pieces out there, especially Sam Mellinger that we've done. And, and I think if he lets Williams back on the team, again, we'll see the context, but I think that it kind of rubs some of the shine off of, of how good Barry looked from from the DeLosa incident a couple of years ago. So I think it's kind of an interesting hand he's holding right now. And, again, maybe the details come out and it kind of forces it one way or the other. But I, I am I kind of crazy thinking that it, it could be an interesting thing with how this, this plays out? Well, I, I do – you know, it's it's one of those topics or one of those issues where I think I've I think I've heard Barry Odom say there's no gray area for him, and um, and, and and players don't seem to get the benefit of the doubt once the you know once action has uh, has occurred. So uh, I, I think that that's that's the tenor of the times. It's the way I think it's the way it should be. Um, I, I know that that's where your you know your your attention is going to be focused here after we we finish talking, but. Uh, um, I, I think it's the I think it's the right stance. You, know, you mentioned uh, what the Chiefs did with Kareem Hunt, and I'll, and I'll say even to the the school further west at Kansas with uh, Puka Williams, their great freshman, the running back, was dismissed from the team when he faced a similar charge. So I, there is just uh, what we're seeing in football, at least here in, in this area, is just zero tolerance for uh, for this type of behavior and uh, not a. You know, it's not like we're in the in the season where we talk about a one or two game suspension. You know, the season's over, and uh, and, and decisions have to be made about uh, you know bowl games and, and where players stand with the team. But uh, uh, I, I I do like the sentiment of no gray area and zero tolerance, and um, and, and uh, it, it's 
Uh, I, I, you know, there's, there's always a couple, there's always two sides to every story, and we need to, you know, we need to be aware of that and, and sensitive to it. But, uh, uh, but as far as I'm concerned, um, just as we saw with the Chiefs and with their action with Kareem Hunt, uh, Barry Odom did the right thing, and uh, and, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Agreed. And with that, we'll, we both have places to be. I will see you tomorrow night at Sunday Night Football. And uh, with that, he's Blair Kirkhoff. I'm Alex Schiffer. We'll be back next week. And uh, two times in a, less than a week, I would have seen you tomorrow, Blair. We should do this more often. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to seeing you at the, at the Chiefs game uh, Thursday night. Awesome. Take care.